Welcome to the SCDC podcast presented by our friends at Insightful. Insightful provides real-world innovations for economic development. Insightful believes your digital tools should work as hard as you do for your community. That's why Insightful creates data-rich modules, websites, and digital outreach designed to make your visitor take notice without complicating your day. From core four modules, three pillars, digital marketing strategies, and comprehensive websites, to research and analysis, videography, and collateral design, Insightful works tirelessly as your on-call EDC marketing department. So thank you to the team at Insightful and Ray Methvin for partnering with SEDC to present the podcast. My name is Matt Tackett. I'm the president of the Southern Economic Development Council, and I've been looking forward to this episode for some time now because we get to talk a lot of economic development. We get to dive into the weeds here with one of my favorite regions in the South. And also, you probably already know this when you hear uh, who we're speaking to in the in the community, but we get to dive into just a really, really historic, transformative FDI achievement. So we don't want to waste any time here and keep our audience waiting. So we're going to dive right in with Josh Ward of the Clarksville, Montgomery County, Tennessee Industrial Development Board. So Josh is the VP of Industrial Development, a great SCDC member and an important contributor and leader within the American South, which we all know continues to raise the economic development bar as the world's premier investment location and the equivalent of the world's third largest economy. So Josh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you today and where are you today also? Well, good morning, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. That was a flawless introduction. I will have a hard time following you. Um, I am here in Clarksville, Tennessee, Tennessee's top spot, not just geographically, but economically as well, we believe at least. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you about the largest FDI in state history, get to know you a little bit and uh, let you know what's what's coming to Clarksville, Tennessee. Well, thanks for the compliment there. That's um, a lot of words I need to say. Proud to say it. Thank you, Insightful Ray Methman. But I, m- I mess it up every time, you know, so I just record one, give it to Matthew and let him have it loaded up. But thanks for uh, thanks for the compliment. That's, you know, it's tough every time when you're not a, a media professional. We're economic uh, developers, but. But yeah, well, let's uh, we'll we'll get into some weeds here. But before we do, how about we we pull back the curtain on you a little bit? How about you just tell us about yourself, who you are personally, and follow up to that already. Tell us how you got into the economic development profession. Economic development is so interesting. I don't think many people set out to get into the industry. They kind of fall into it by way of another profession, and that's certainly my story. I'm a Nashville native. I'm a Middle Tennessee State University grad. I'm Tennessee through and through. Love it here. Been here most of my life. Met my wife here. Had two daughters here. This is home for me, so I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. When I graduated college in 2010, um, I got my degree in communications. My first job out of college was actually youth ministry. I was working with teenagers for a couple of years and I found out very quickly that that wasn't for me. I mean, I did my best, you know, to help them. And, and now that I almost have two teenage daughters, I can see why it wore on me so much. But uh, that was my first experience out of college. From there, I got into recruitment for a local university here in Clarksville called Austin P State University. Let's go P. That's their cheer. And oh, yeah. uh, it was it was a great experience. I, I got the chance to travel around the state, talk to students from all over had some phenomenal experiences, did that for around three years, and then uh, made a business decision to get into commercial real estate. And that's where I've spent the bulk of my young career. Uh, Five years in commercial real estate, did office, warehouse, retail leasing, 
managed about a million square feet in commercial properties, uh, got to know the brokers in the area, got to know some of the site selectors. And the, the developer I was working with at the time actually acquired the building that the EDC is located in. And I got to know uh, what the EDC, the Economic Development Council does for this community. And for me, you know, instead of bringing in jobs sort of one at a time, a tenant at a time, economic development was a chance to make a huge impact on the community, to bring in thousands of jobs and create opportunities for, you know, thousands of people. And, and so it was an attractive uh, opportunity that I saw when, when the position opened up. And so I then switched to economic development. So it's really the combination of, you know, recruitment, communication, commercial real estate that led me to where I am today. Uh, I, I have to give a shout out to my predecessor, Shay Hopkins, who's in, in Texas now. You know, she had my position a, a couple of years ago and she really trained me and taught me. I, I like to say she taught me what right looks like. She taught me how to look for good projects. And she taught me about the socioeconomics of economic development. And when she moved back home to Texas, I was fortunate to get her position as VP. And I've uh, been here for about six months and have been loving it, been loving it ever since. Yeah, no doubt. Shout out. Shout out to Shay. She was one of our new members uh, shortly after I, I joined <clears throat> SEDC. So thanks for the shout out there. A couple um, couple follow-ups here. For one, I always love to hear how people got into the profession because you're right. You know, it's not a straight line for, for most of us. Now it's becoming a straight line for kind of the generation um, <clears throat> generation behind us. But yeah, I mean, most of us were lucky and blessed um, to fall into this. I know I have sort of a <clears throat> sort of a similar, uh, almost similar path as you. I mean, when I was either about to get into college or shortly after college, the the church that I was a part of um, locally said, "Hey, Matt, would you consider ministry? And mm -hmm. we'll we'll uh, fund and provide the path forward for you and all the education and stuff that you needed." And, you know, I considered it for a minute. That was a big honor. But, you know, I just didn't think that was right for me or I was anywhere prepared or qualified for that. But I find a really, really similar, um, similar parallel with economic development, because look at the, at the heart of this um, in, in that profession, in the religious space or in the economic development space. Look, you know, we're preparing today for a better tomorrow is what I, is what I like to say. And economic development is so like that. And I love how you had kind of the big picture kind of statements. Here's what you're doing. You're making stronger families, communities, Clarksville, Montgomery County. So I really all of that resonated with me. But, you know, you must be really good at your job because if you have teenage daughters, you look way, you look really, really young. So you're making me jealous here, by the way, we can see each other. So my goodness, you're making me feel old right now, but congrats on that too. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Ministry is a, it, it's a season, it's a calling, but you're right. You know, I see my current job as a calling, you know, I see my job as a chance to help people. And that's what, that's what church work is all about. That's what nonprofits do. And if you look at your work through that lens, it's certainly more fulfilling. And so when I get up every morning, I feel like I'm on assignment. I've got I've got something to do today. I can help somebody. I want to leverage my influence and my experiences to make somebody's life better. And, you know, that's what this is all about. I think you would agree with me, Matt. No doubt. I, I love it. I appreciate what you all do so much. I, I believe in it. I mean, I just I love this profession. I don't think there's much better work that you can be in. And so I'm so, so honored to be just a part of of this economic development team, a really, really small part, because I appreciate beyond words what, what you all do and the impact that you have. So 
Let's, um, before we dive in, so I want to talk a lot of Clarksville here, um, learn about economic development, maybe ask you a couple questions that might get you in trouble on the hot seat. But before we get in there, how about Tennessee in general? So now I, I'm a Kentuckian here and I was in Kentucky only economic development before I got into SEDC and I watched Tennessee very, very closely just to study and examine all of the opportunities and advantages that you had. Of course, we were competitors at, at, at various times for projects. But I always watch to see what is Tennessee doing? What's the secret sauce there? What's replicable? Um, and just what's going on? So we know there are so many advantages and so much momentum. But can you dive into Tennessee in general and what all is going on and what the future looks like? Yeah, Tennessee is a great place to be. Uh, you know, you've got some natural advantages from, you know, the topography to the climate to the business friendly environment. A lot of great things in terms of quality of life. But from a business point of view, of course, you know, if you're across the border in Kentucky, you know, Tennessee doesn't have any state tax. And we talk about that time and time again. Of course, my friend Carter at the Southwestern Economic Development Council, he would say the sales tax is lower in Kentucky. So it's kind of a wash. Uh, but we're happy about our tax structure here in Tennessee. I think one big advantage that we have is all of the partnerships and programs that help companies locate here to this region. So I'll just name a few. Uh, the Tennessee Economic and Com Community Development Department for the state, the recruiting arm for the state of Tennessee, Lindy, Commissioner McWhorter and her team, you know, they have all kind of incentive programs for companies, not just with, with cash, but programs for workforce development. Um, they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of really great things going on that assist the communities in onboarding new companies. The Tennessee Valley Authority is another great resource that we have. Um, I've got two. I've got two open grants right now with TVA that are helping us with site development. Um, those programs include uh, the Invest Prep program. You know, you can apply for a grant and grade aside to bring in utilities to make your community more attractive. Invest Ready is another grant program that they have. Actually, we have three grants open with them, and then the Workforce Invest program where we're training inmates in welding and industrial readiness to transition back into the workforce. So these three funding sources through TVA really help us to go a long way in the development that we can do in our community. Um, I, I mentioned the incentive dollars that the state has, but they also have a program called SDG, the Site Development Grant. And so if your community can come up with some matching funds in the state of Tennessee, uh, there's really no limit to what you can do in terms of development and site readiness. So that's a huge advantage that we have um, we, we will talk about this a little later, but we in Clarksville, Tennessee, just recruited the largest FDI in state history. Ironically, the groundbreaking is today. Uh, I've got to leave at 11 to go to that. But also the largest project in state history didn't happen too long ago, and that was Blue Oval City. Um, Ford announced they're coming to the, you know, the southwest region. They're going to produce the F-150 Lightning here in Tennessee. And since that project, you know, I think I think this region became visible on a national scale. You know, I, I think Tennessee is becoming what, you know, the, the Rust Belt in Michigan and the Midwest was in the 1950s and the 1960s, except for the EV space. Uh, so we are a strong manufacturing company. The branding that the state use, uses is mastered in Tennessee. And I think that's a yep. really great slogan because down here, we're hardworking, we're blue collar. We make stuff, uh, and I'm proud of, of that heritage, and I'm, I'm proud of who we're becoming in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I You know, I love it. 
Um, yeah, to your point. So I had wrote down um, this Tennessee is an iconic state because you had mentioned so many manufactured advantages that you have relative to tax climate or or, or um, product development, for example. I'm very, very familiar with the Invest Prep program. I replicated a similar program for Kentucky based on um, mm. how well I know that Invest Prep works. But so many manufactured pro-growth business advantages that you have. But look, on the other end of that, Tennessee's iconic. Mastered in Tennessee is brilliant, I think, is is brilliant. And for all the iconic advantages, it's a worldwide brand. Tennessee already is. But I think that, and I think it was very recently too, that the Mastered in Tennessee tagline has became um, became the, the main piece, right? That's right. Yeah, I'd say within the past five years, that branding really took off and, and it's resonated with a lot of companies and a lot of other communities as well. So I, I like it. I, I need to get a T-shirt made. Maybe I can see if some of our state partners have some swag they could give me because I'm I'd be happy to represent that logo for sure. Uh, me too. It hits everything. Music, you know. I don't. I, not bourbon, but whiskey. You know, um, just just manufacturing, engineering excellence, and just the future. I I love it. I think that is really really well done. But so as as a Kentuckian, you know, we share a border. I'm just so proud, so proud. And look, you know. Um, the Blue Oval SK or Blue Oval in Tennessee. Look, we were uh, cooperative. The the battery production for that is happening across the border in Kentucky, and the corridor between there is just you know watch out. So it's just so it's so amazing to watch right now. That's why I love when communities and states are doing product development to just capitalize on all the advantages that come along with the momentum that we have in the South right now. So there was, there's a project that landed in Bowling Green, Kentucky, that we actually competed on. And uh, Bowling Green and Clarksville are similar in terms of size, and, and I think their industrial park is as advanced as ours. So we compete with Kentucky a lot, but at the end of the day, you know, and like I said, I know all the economic developers in that region. We know that we have to take a regional approach if we're going to satisfy the workforce of all these companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know the, the commuting patterns from Oak Grove, Kentucky down to Clarksville, and we know what what people leave our community to go to Southern Kentucky for work. So we are competitors, but we're also friends because uh, nobody can fulfill the demands of these companies alone. And, and especially in our community, we're like I said in the beginning, we're Tennessee's top spot. We are located at the border of Tennessee and Kentucky. A lot, oh, wow. of, people, a lot of people kind of move between both areas. You know, I, I know even for me, I'm probably in Kentucky a couple of times a month. I go to LBL. Uh, oh, yeah. Mountain bike and hike up there. And there's a nice Amish bakery called Schlabox Deli. They oh, serve yeah. amazing homemade donuts there in Southern Kentucky. So I feel like you're our neighbors to the north. Uh, we have to be friends, but we're also competitors at time. And hopefully all that's just, you know, for the for the greater good. Well, you're uh, you're shouting out um, some of my friends before SEDC, but they're they're part of SEDC now. You're talking Envision there in Bowling Green, two yep. billion dollar project, That's right. massive, massive. You gave Carter Hendricks, really good friend of mine, um, a shout out. So Carter is actually leading an SEDC webinar for us on spec buildings. So he's been really, really aggressive and successful with the spec building program there. But uh, but yeah, you're right. His I think his tagline is, "Hey, look, we're less taxing, more relaxing here." So that's his <laughs> counter to whatever you're to yeah. your talking about. I'll stuff. say this to you: you know, my history, five years in commercial real estate, I've seen his hundred thousand square foot spec buildings go up, and mm -hmm. Kentucky does a better job than we do of putting real estate product on the market. Every community has their advantages. You know, we specialize in in greenfield land sites that have some development already done. They, they do a really good job of offering real estate. In fact, 
I received some RFIs from the state and with their permission, I've told Carter, hey, we can't submit on this, but this would be perfect for your spec building. So we'll we'll send them leads. They'll send us stuff that they can't submit on. So I, I really do think we're in a, a space where this is a collaborative effort, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I brag on his building all the time. I've sent it to a few people. So, you know, they have figured it out. I don't know how they even fund it. I tried to do a spec building with an invest prep grant and it was $5 million just to get the shell out of the ground. And we didn't have two and a half million. So he's got really good relationships with his municipalities in order to finance mm-hmm. structures. And then he's able to put tenants in them. And, and kind of create a recurring revenue stream for the community. So very savvy business move for Carter and his team. I'm a little jealous in some regards, but you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. I'm sure we make him envious sometimes too. So. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. Well, the, um, the product development initiative there in Kentucky, that uh, was one that, you know, was launched when I was at, at, at KAD, the program managed it, but it was um, very much inspired by Invest Prep and all that was happening in, in Tennessee and, you know, Invest Prep's in other states as well. But I think at the um, now I can't remember which round Carter got on that, that spec building, but the first iteration of that program, the um, it was a matching grant up to 500 K. Now the new the new version of that is based it's you know there's a there's a population metric but every county is capped at two million dollars for for one of their grants so but hey I mean that's that's just the nature of it right now you know there's a massive arms race for product development the yep. the South will continue to be who we are and lead because we're really capitalizing on that we have the workforce advantages we have it all here so rising tide is lifting all of our boats right now for right. sure so it's, it's cool to hear how you all um how you all interact and compete so we've um we've talked a, we've, a little bit about clarksville montgomery county but is there anything else that you want to share about all of the attributes that make you so special and so well positioned for success and then maybe how's the edo leveraging and leaning into that well i've taken some time to brag on the state of tennessee now i want to take some time to brag on Clarksville, Tennessee, because we have some unique advantages that really set us apart from a lot of other communities. So no one gets more requests for information in the state of Tennessee than we do. I think since April of oh, 2023, wow. I, I pulled the data just last week, since April of 2023, Clarksville Montgomery County received 46 RFIs from the state. 46 projects were sent to us by way of ECD. And we submitted on around 24 of those projects. Um, Why do we get more requests? Before LG Kim, which was about two years ago, they took down a 426 acre site. Um, Before that, we had around 2,200 acres of publicly owned land. And that's a huge advantage. I know other communities are, 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 are restricted by the community or by other factors, the topography or what have you, especially in East Tennessee. But we have the sites for companies to look at. Um, since the LG Chem project, you know, we have around 1,000 to 1,200 acres left for development, but that's still significant. I can subdivide those sites into mm-hmm. probably 10 or 12 different projects. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. To, to give you some stats on the investment activity, in, in, in the past, say, 12 years, since 2010 and 2020, we were experiencing around a billion dollars in capital investment. And at that time, People weren't talking in terms of billions. It was hundreds of millions. So that was that was quite the investment from Hemlock Semiconductor and a few other projects since 2021 to now. So in the past two years, 
we've experienced five billion dollars <laughs> wow so the past 10 is a billion the past two has been five billion now a lot of that is the 3.2 billion dollar lg chem project uh but we've we recruited Donghua in 2022 that's a south korean electrolyte company and I know you think they bottle Gatorade because they're making electrolytes, but they don't. It's actually a component of the EV sector, uh, cathode, anode, separator, electrolyte, one of four. We also recruited a company called QP or Q&B Foods. They're a Japanese condiment company. They took down a 20-acre site to build 250,000 square feet. So since my time, and I'm not taking all the credit, I'll take some of it, but, but not all of it. Uh, three major projects in the past two and a half years, LG Chem, Donwa, and Kupi. And so that just kind of speaks to the success of, of this region. The question automatically becomes, well, great, you got all these companies coming, how are you going to staff them? What's the workforce story? And that's another huge advantage that we have. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why we're able to sell it the way we do. So Fort Campbell, you know, second largest army installation in the U.S. is in our backyard. And, yeah. and they share some some land between Kentucky and Tennessee, but the bulk of Fort Campbell is actually in Tennessee. Right. Uh, and and you guys in Kentucky benefit from that Army base. I know Carter promotes the military as well, but every month, 400 soldiers get out mm -hmm. uh, of the military. Some are retiring, some are injured, but some of them, a lot of them are looking for a second career. So we retain about 40% of the 400. And every month, our workforce development coordinator, he is in he is on post at fort campbell trying to connect transitioning soldiers with incoming jobs so that's a recurring sort of population of people that we tap into and we tell companies if you pay enough you can recruit these soldiers they yeah. will work for you they're on time they're good leaders they're hard workers we know that to be true so strong strong workforce engine fort campbell we love being a military town mm -hmm. the other factor um that, that helps companies become comfortable with Clarksville is the commuting pattern. So from Montgomery County to Davidson or Nashville, Tennessee, we lose 10,000 people a day. 10,000 people leave Montgomery to go to Davidson every day. Oh, wow. We've done some billboard campaigns that on the interstate that say, you could be home for dinner by now, <laughs> you know, just because of how long you have to wait in traffic. And the reason they're leaving to go to Nashville is because of work. So if we can bring in, some of those high level uh jobs or some of those higher paying career paths we think we can keep some of those people they can not only live here but work here we know why they're living here because it's more affordable in clarksville versus nashville uh, but we want to be where you live and you work and you play just like every other edo yep and the final thing i'll say about clarksville is some of the support services that we've invested in over the past year and a half my predecessor, Shay, when she moved to Clarksville, she discovered that we have a two-year waiting list for childcare. And so we knew that if she was having a hard time finding it. Maybe some of our employees in the industrial park are having a hard time also. So we we, we had this 18-acre track of land in the South Park. It's his own industrial. We rezoned it, C5 commercial, to set it up to operate as childcare. We put out a request for information across the U.S., we probably received 10 inquiries. We got two submissions, one national, one local. And the local provider, the Youth Academy, actually won the bid. So the, the city county government gave her the land with a pilot in exchange for 800 students in childcare capacity, half of the spots dedicated and discounted by 15% to our employers. 
So we're, we're hitting not only, you know, the workforce need, but the socioeconomic need. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of commercial recruiting, which is kind of part of my background, but grocery, 16,000 square foot health clinic that does occupational health. There's some 24 hour restaurants and, and more to come on the support services. So I think when, uh, when you have land, when you have workforce, when you have mm-hmm. socioeconomics, you, you put yourself in a really good position to win. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. That's what I was sitting here jotting down. And it's so great to hear. It's so great to hear a really, really holistic approach to economic development because, you know, look, it's really easy and there's probably, there, I know at conferences, sometimes there's drinking games associated with my, this various talking points that I have. It's really easy for any of us to run around and say, we're future focused or we're people ready because that sounds good. But in practice, it is incredibly impactful and sometimes it's difficult to do, but it's it's so necessary. I mean, think about, you know, you ready, readying for future workforce for, for having the support services for FDI, for welcoming, you know, um, new citizens from foreign nations or just being ready for uh, for the folks that you have in your in your backyard with child care. That's such a, such a critical, difficult issue. And I, I love when communities and states, I mean, there's a lot of really neat approaches that we're going to begin to communicate about. But it's it's just so so great to hear, and you're so you're so right. I mean, if you're focusing on that, and in a time when um, the world and the United States is constrained relative to workforce, now the whole entire American South is advantaged, but not like the constant stream of world class workforce, 400 a month that you have. It's incredible, and for as important as that is, and it, I don't know what the chicken and the egg conversation, but. Will enterprise or will consultant even analyze your workforce if the site isn't available? Well, you've got that too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so great to dive into this. It's no wonder you win, and I know the future is so bright for you. But thanks for just telling us all all that you've got going. It's really impressive to hear, and also great learning, great learning experience for our audience, and you know, really attractive opportunity for anyone else that may be listening to. Well, and I'll say this too, Matt. Uh, while some of these advantages are unique to Clarksville. Others can be replicated. So I've, I've probably talked to 10 other communities from Georgia to Mississippi to Southern Kentucky, even, even a few counties in Tennessee about how they could do childcare. Not, not every community needs 800 spots, uh, but what if you can create two to 300 spots of capacity in your community? So it, it, it's a simple process, but it's difficult to execute. All we did, Matt, was we identified a site, the county owned it, we rezoned it and we offered to give it away. So many communities mm-hmm. want to get into childcare, but they have nothing to offer. You know, offer up this piece of land in exchange for some services. That's what quasi governmental entities should do anyway. I mean, a park doesn't make any money. And so public transportation doesn't make any money, but people need it. Um, in the same way, I think other communities can buy sites, offer them up, put out an RFI, just see what you get. And, and I think even uh, in, in the city of Gallatin, they have an RFI out right now for a child care provider, an owner operator. Mm-hmm. Another thing is we treated the child care center like it was a project. It was a business decision. It was, it was a, you know, it was an RFI. It was a negotiation. There was a pilot involved. And, and we had to kind of stand our ground on, you know, what we wanted as a community. We knew if it wasn't discounted based on the wages of Clarksville, people couldn't afford it. We knew mm-hmm. if there wasn't enough capacity, it wouldn't have an impact on the waiting list. So this model can be replicated and duplicated for other communities. And, and I'm happy to see that others are 
are starting to move in that direction. Yeah, we've we we are figuring that out. Um, you know, we're we're advantage on kind of our momentum in fi- in figuring that out too. But it's you know, you heard it here first. Uh, other communities. Here's how here's how Clarksville, a really successful world class community, is doing that. There are so many other good best practices too. There's some state level legislation. Yeah. Um, pieces that that are that are coming out. I was involved in one of the last or one of the most recent or we supported in, in Kentucky that was a an employee um, or a state match for employee contribution. We just, you know, we need SEDC needs to do a good job of curating that and being more educated for that. So thanks for bringing that out as well. I made a I wrote a note. It's great to know the the South Korean um, presence in your community as well. SEDC is leading a an FDI business development mission to Korea next year march around the inner battery show so we'll be there letting people know we lead in the ev space here's why you can thrive in the ev space in the south too so it's great to know uh, the landscape of, of the land and there's a presence in clarksville too so we um so you, you mentioned this a couple of times that this is really what we wanted to dig in on um news uh, i guess hint here we're going to be highlighting this in our next newsletter too but we're, we have celebrated, we're still celebrating even today, the, the largest FDI project in the history of Tennessee. You know, a really important, successful state. So the largest ever in the volunteer state. So talk to us about LG Kim. Just dig in as much as you want to, as much as you can about the company, the, the site selection process of something with this magnitude, the, the impact, uh, and maybe timeline to oper- operationalization too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about it. I've, I've talked about it a lot. Never gets old because, you know, it's it's such a transformative. That word is used a lot in economic development, transformative project. But this one truly is. Um, a year and a half ago, the state brought in this this top secret project called Project Columbus. And uh, we heard it was big. We didn't know how big. When they gave us the three point two billion dollar number. We couldn't fathom it because, like I said, in the past 12 years, a billion is the biggest we'd ever seen. We didn't think there was anything beyond that for our region. Mm -hmm. So uh, they came through four or five different times looking at the site. We we finally were able to sign the NDAs and figure out who they were. So what's confusing a little bit is LG Electronics is already in Clarksville. They're located in the North Park. They make in in the North Park, they make 6,000 washing machines per day and 1,000 dryers. Oh, wow. So LG is already churning out lots and lots of product here in this community. They employ about 740 people. So we didn't know if they were a sister company, if it was connected to that project in some way. But we learned that this was a separate search. Uh, They are connected to the LG brand, but they were looking at sites across the nation. And we, we have had this prime piece of property. We didn't actually own it at the time. We optioned it. But when we learned that LG Kim was interested, we ended up taking down the property at $18 million. It's a 426-acre site. It has great you know, utility capacity there in the center of the industrial park. And so we just began to talk to them. We learned about what they wanted to do. Uh, we learned about the EV movement here in, in Clarksville, Tennessee. And finally, our board of directors uh, decided that this was a good fit for us. So the primary driving force for the board was, you know, what, what are the wages that LG Kim are bringing? Because, you know, if, if we didn't if we didn't recruit another project, we know that Hong Cook is expanding. They're adding another jo- another thousand people to the workforce. We know what their wages are. We've seen that we, we know what the hiring activity is in the industrial park. So we couldn't bring in a big project like this that was going to cannibalize our existing industry. We knew that they needed to 
to, to pay that next tier of employment. We knew that they needed to bring in some of those people that are commuting to Nashville. So the wages for LG Chem, the, the minimum production person will be making $24 an hour. We know that to be true. 200 of the 860 employees will make six figures. Those are engineering wow. type jobs. They're gonna be producing the uh, cathode material for EV batteries. Um, the groundbreaking is today, December, 2023. Construction will kick off uh, February, March of 2024. They are set to be complete by March of 2025 and fully operational by the end of 2025. Um, with, with a project like this, you know, people wanna know what's the indirect impact. So mm -hmm. we, we have a full report on that. 860 initial jobs, we anticipate 986 spinoff jobs, suppliers, transportation providers, you know, railroad providers. Um, average salary with all the six figure jobs is around 55,000 a year, about 46 new homes and 304 relocations. And I, I'm, I'm not wow. pulling this off the top of my head, I'm reading our economic impact report to you. So for the listeners, you know, I'm not this smart. And then, you know, the great thing about this project is the county, even with a 20 year pilot, a payment in lieu of taxes, LG Chem is going to pay 150 million to the county and 130 million to the city over the initial 20 years. And then after that, they'll be at 100%. So people want to know, how do you get better roads? How do you get better infrastructure? You know, what's the benefit of having these companies? Well, these companies pay for the improvements that you need in order to become the community that you want to become. So I, 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 am, I am just excited about the future of LG Chem. They're, they have a beautiful million square foot facility going up. Mm -hmm. um, the 426 acre site, that's only for the phase one. They're only using 80 acres. We've, we've had them produce a master plan for the rest of the parcel. So they could add another two, three buildings depending on demand for EV batteries. Another misconception about this project is they're not just tied to the EV sector. Um, they make lithium battery material for solar panel storage for power tools, really anything battery operated could use this type of material. Cell phones, uh, of course, EVs are a big part of it, but it's not the only, it's not the only customer that they have. I, I, I have heard they've signed with one major OEM, they're pursuing a contract with GM to do the EV Hummer. So this is a, this is a big brand for Clarksville, Tennessee, and, and we're just excited about having them here. No doubt, no doubt, just adds to that iconic portfolio of enterprise in, in Tennessee. Um, and then, like you said, we talked on the front end, look, this is stronger family, stronger community, you know, stronger state. And of course, we're, you know, we're all part of the South here. So congratulations on on everything. Um, <clears throat> I asked, um, when I used to do the, the previous version of this, I'd ask people, what's your definition of, of economic development? And you'd get all kinds of different answers, of course. But one that always kind of <clears throat> stuck with me and it resonated um, here, he said, um, well, for me, it's about giving our existing industry a world-class experience and growing from there. And I know maybe, maybe you know, I, I guess they're, they're um, you know, not the same, not, not the same part of LG, but obviously they had a world-class experience in Clarksville, a great business partner and chose again to invest in a major, major way in, in Clarksville. So congratulations on that. So, okay. Well, like, like we said, transformational project, transformational project, just uh, unbelievable. So now did you say, so it's 420 acre square or site mm -hmm. now that you had an option on, 
And mm-hmm. as this, as the process moved, you went all in to get that fully under your control. That's right. Yeah. Okay. It, it was a, it was a two to three year option. And, and that's probably the, the way of the future when it comes to publicly owned land. Land values in Clarksville are now ranging between $120,000 and $150,000 an acre. Uh, we took down the Allensworth site or the LG Kim site for around forty to 50000 an acre before, you know, this, this major price increase. And of course, you know, landowners and farmers, they understand that the value is in the demand. And so if there's demand, there's greater value. Uh, so since LG Kim, the land values have shot up, which is good mm-hmm. for the private sector. Challenging for us in the public sector who who want to own and control land for the purpose of industry. Right. And so by optioning the property, you know, we can invest less. We can get we can gain some we can get some grants, do some due diligence. We can still show the sites to companies, but we don't have to take on the burden of ownership with land values the way that they are. So I think that there's a 360 acre site uh, in the North Park that will probably option in the future. And we've got our eyes on a few others, but yeah, that's the way to go. And then, you know, we took it down. We executed the purchase option because we knew LG was coming. Mm-hmm. And so with the pilot structure, you can pay back the loan to get the land through the company's tax dollars. I see. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, you know, this is not my idea. The county mayor had this idea and I thought it was brilliant. So that's mm-hmm. probably how we'll take down sites in the future. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, well, thanks so much for digging into that. It'll be really, really fun to see um, all the excitement today as the groundbreaking happens. It's moved really fast and it will continue to. So, you know, the needle is moving in Clarksville, Montgomery County, for sure. I've got a feeling you, you're you not done yet. You know, you're so competitively positioned. So what's the next five, 10 years look like? Yeah, that's a great question. We're, we're making a, a bit of a strategic shift. We hired a consultant last month to tell us who we need to be in the next five to 10 years. And I kind of think about this like Maslow's hierarchy of needs with the triangle, you know, at the base, you have your, your manufacturing, your distribution. Uh, We've got a solid base here in Clarksville, you know, that, that wage range between 17 and $20 an hour. Those, those jobs are met. We've got plenty of those. In the next five to 10 years, we want to shift to more advanced manufacturing. Um, We've visited a significant aviation company connected to Fort Campbell. Uh, There is a major manufacturer in Clarksville that has their HQ in a different part of the part of the state. And we'd like to onboard some white collar HQ type projects. So the name of the game in the next five to 10 years is diversifying the industrial park a little bit. And we've already started to do that with some of our commercial services. Uh, but we want to think about the type of jobs and the type of community we want to be in the next decade. There is a 70 acre business park next to Tonova Hospital that the Industrial Development Board owns. We're in the very early stages of developing Class A office space. Um, and possibly the VA hospital there to anchor that land. I'm not working on this project directly, but Buck Billinger, CEO of EDC, he's, he's kind of spearheading that movement. But Class A office space is tricky right now. You know, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of softening of the office market in Nashville, which makes it tough to, for developers to invest in that type of space. And Matt, if, if, I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, you may be at your home office. You know, so I, I right. sometimes. So, you know, getting winning HQ projects is a little more complicated than it used to be. 
but it's definitely on our radar. And, and I've got to learn more about what it takes to win those type projects because all we've ever known is manufacturing and and what our board tells us is keep your foot on the gas when it comes to these type of jobs. They're mm -hmm. good jobs. But let's start to think about other sectors as well so we can diversify what we have to offer here. Yeah, that's it's another another thing that just goes right along with the things we love to say all the time. Our people are the we win and we're so competitive, well, competitively positioned because we're future focused. And that's a real world example of it of it right there. But yeah, shout out to my, uh, I'm in my attic hiding from my children right now. So we're <laughs> they're They're not in school. Unfortunately, you know, it's not, we're not, look, we've got plenty of time before Christmas, go to school, but they're, oh, yeah. they're downstairs. Yelling. Every parent can't wait for school. To start <laughs> yeah, me too. So, well, this has been, this has been a lot of fun. We appreciate your time. We know you're, <clears throat> you're always busy. Definitely today. I know you're probably pulled in a lot of directions and a great day in Tennessee, but we, uh, we've dug into a, a ton of weeds here and, you know, we've been pretty nice, I think with these softball questions. Okay. So now it's time to get real and put you on the research uncensored seat sponsored by our great friends at research FDI research FDI is a trusted investment attraction and trade development partner working all over the world. Our listeners know Bruce Tackiffman, CEO and the great work that he does to introduce global enterprise to the advantages and opportunities that we have in America and definitely in the American South. So thank you to Research FDI for sponsoring what was formerly the, the hot seat segment. So Matthew Darius, do it. Put in the spooky music here. Josh, are you ready for the uncensored seat? Be nice to me. This has been a great conversation so far. We don't want to ruin it with anybody. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay, so who would play you in a movie? Well, in my 20s, I was I was said to be an Ashton Kutcher lookalike, and that's not true anymore. He's aged much better than I have, but uh, I'll go with Ashton Kutcher. There we there we go. He would that guy was everywhere there for a while. Yeah. So I, I'm 40. When I was in college, he was everywhere in so many good movies. I read recent, or maybe I saw this on Twitter, and it's probably not true. So. Uh, disclaimer here, whatever legally, I don't believe this. I This is something maybe to my recollection I saw. He doesn't use soap or something, or like he only uses mm -hmm. water on his face. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe that's why he looks... Uh, I might need um, to change my answer as a result of that insight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very sanitary. <laughs> favorite uh, favorite Kutcher movie. Favorite Kutcher movie. Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift and go with a show. I thought he did a pretty good job replacing the legendary Charlie Sheen on two and a half men. I'm going to oh, say that's, that was one of his crowning achievements. Yeah. And no one thought that would work either probably, but, but it was, it was made really, it work. Yeah. Okay. So if it's kind of similar here, this is a tricky one. So what is a TV show that you love? Okay. That you love, but maybe you don't want anyone to know about and definitely don't want to say publicly. My, the first thing that came to my mind was The Office, and I'm one of those millennials that love The Office. I can quote seasons one through six with Steve Carell as Michael Scott. That's that's my show. But you said you don't want people to know that you like this show. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm going to go with, you know, my wife and I, we've got some shows that we watch. She likes this show called New Girl. Oh, yeah. Zoe Deschanel mm -hmm. uh, around her. I like that show. It's not the most macho show to like, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, and and she also likes, and I hate to say this, but she likes a number of Hallmark movies. Mm -hmm. And there's one that was released this holiday season called Christmas Up the Biltmore. And I got to be honest with you, man, I was into it. I was into it. I was, <laughs> I, was I, I mean, you know, the guy's going to end up with the girl, but 
in this movie, you didn't really know. And so uh, probably yeah. New Girl and, and the Christmas Hallmark movies are my guilty pleasure. Those Hallmark movies, they will suck you in. You know, here comes this like hometown Christmas tree farm owner. And then here yeah. comes, you know, somebody mean that they eventually fall in love and believe in Santa Claus together. You know, right. you know my favorite part is I feel like I'm transported to a more idyllic world. You know, life has problems. Life has issues. But in the Hallmark movie, there are very little problems and issues and everything is beautiful and well manicured all the time. So it's it's a nice escape for me. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Same. All that stuff's happening in my house all the, all the time too. So I like it more than I'll let on. But thanks for being right. honest with us there. So this one will you're gonna we'll get you in trouble here. So answer this however you want to, honestly or not. But where not the best place to eat, okay, uh, Clarksville. But where's your favorite place to eat in Clarksville? Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to my answer, but on the way I'm gonna give some honorable mentions because there's a lot of fine dining in Clarksville, Tennessee. The mail room is, this is a shout out, and this is a, this is not my answer. My answer is much less exciting, but the mm -hmm. mail room is a former office building. It's in a federal post office, hence the name. And they've mm -hmm. converted that space to make a really cool atmosphere. They got good food owned by uh, the Cunningham family. Great restaurant. We go there all the time. Strawberry Alley Ale Works, Black Horse is a staple. My favorite Asian cuisine is Kohana off of Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Great boba tea. Uh, the, the Phoenix roll, I would recommend it. And get a seed mm -hmm. salad to start you out. Um, all those are great, but I hate to say it. It's going to make me sound totally uncultured, but Buffalo Wild Wings is <laughs> oh, a favorite place. Because yeah. 20, 20 wings, all flats, dipped in ranch, celery, carrots. That's my sweet spot, man. I'm, I'm just a basic guy. Chicken wings is always my go-to meal and you're honest look I, I i love b-dubs okay you know we yeah. um there's one down the road for me here in eastern kentucky but i'll do i'll save them for airports like i, I know every major airport that has b-dubs i know where it is and you know right. that's that's where i'll be hanging out sometimes but you're honest on that one too we just hired a, a new person here at at scdc and we interviewed him a while back on a podcast but said hey when you're on the road um, in Kentucky, because this is where he came from, where's your favorite place to eat? You know, and expected there's so many really cool, locally owned, neat places to lean into. He says Little Caesars. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, oh man, yeah, this will work out. I mean, we that's almost right. Did, oh man, know. that's, I mean, that's for five bucks. I don't know if it's five bucks anymore, but a hot and ready, you get a large pizza. We used to crush those in college. So there's no shame in that. Austin P, the governor's. That's right. Let, let's go pee. They are playing Middle Tennessee State. Uh -huh. Who who are you rooting for? Uh, I'll probably be like Travis Kelsey's mom and wear one half red, one half blue. Because while I am an MT grad, I, I, my, my heart is here in Clarksville. I can't decide. I can't decide. I'm, I'm cheering for both. I hope it's a tie. Look, you know, we're, we're really proud of our sports in the South, obviously, SEC or ACC, whatever. Look, no, it's in the OVC, okay? Ohio mm -hmm. Valley Conference, Austin P, Middle Tennessee, right, too? Right. So I, I went to Moorhead State in Kentucky for, for undergrad. So that was our conference. You know, we'd go at it in basketball. It was always fun when Austin P came in because at the time they were, you know, Big on the tail end of being really, really strong. So they've always been strong, but I think maybe we could play with them a little bit at that time and made it extra right. fun. So. Okay, so we've uh, last one here. So we are what? It's December nineteenth. New Year's Eve is approaching. What does the party look like for you in Clarksville or wherever you are? Oh, 
Um, I'll spend New Year's Eve probably with my wife's parents in Michigan. <laughs> they live in a 55 and older retirement community. We'll probably be lights out by 930. Lights oh, there we go. So I'll, I'll celebrate the new year the next morning, man. Now that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds really good right now. I, yeah, I'm, I'm if, if we get crazy, we might get some sparkling grape juice, but I don't know. We'll see. Heck yeah. I, I love it. We'll trick our kids as early as we can. Like, Hey, happy new year, go to bed. And then I'll be shortly after, uh, shortly behind them. So, well, thanks for, you know, for as much important stuff as we, we talked about, thanks for having some fun with us. You're off the hot seat. We made it, Josh. Thank you. What'd you think about it all? Do you have any parting words? Really enjoyed this conversation. I'm, I'm definitely going to download the app to hear more, uh, you know, for folks listening who want to learn more about What's happening in Clarksville? Maybe you want to take a tour of the industrial park. Be happy to host you here. If you're a company listening to this podcast, there's still opportunity. That's the salesman in me. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. think without a pitch to come check out everything we have to offer. But uh, this platform is amazing, Matt. I've, I've, I've seen you at a couple conferences. You speak well, and I know you offer an incredible support service to all of the communities across the Southeast region. So thank you for what you do. Well, you're, you're too kind. So we will, okay. Anyone listening, if you want to get in contact with, with Josh or the organization, we, we, you're, we're, he's linked in the LinkedIn bio, probably Facebook and Twitter as well. So is the organization. So you can find him. I'm sure he'll be uh, available any, anytime needed. So Josh, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. Thank, more importantly, thank you for your membership and your service to Clarksville, Montgomery County, Tennessee, and the entire South. So thank you so much for, for what you do. Have a great day today and happy holidays as well. What a great day in Tennessee, especially in your community. So that's it. Before we leave, we invite listeners to check out all that we have going on on the SEDC website at www.sedc.org and follow us closely on social media. We want our members part of everything we do. So to get plugged in, reach out to us on LinkedIn as well, Twitter, Facebook, email, or give Matthew Darius or me or Clay an old-fashioned phone call. So thank you, SEDC. Join us next time on the SEDC podcast presented by Insightful. Insightful.